Before we read from the Bible, we will pray together that the Holy Spirit will help us to hear what God is saying to us and to do what he is calling us to do, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. God in heaven, reveal to us yourself, Father, and teach us to be like you where we live and where we work and where we play. Father, would you prepare our hearts to be filled with a love for you and for neighbor that could never be something that we could muster up with our own strength? Would you heal our wounds with the preaching of your word this morning and breathe into us newfound love and freedom? Lead us by your spirit. Amen. Today's scripture is... Galatians 5:13 through 24 For you were called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another For the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself But if you bite and devour one another watch out that you are not consumed by one another But I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is the word of the Lord. been messing with my iPad. If you didn't get a good look at the picture, you can come. I'll show it to you after the service. Wow. That's really fun. desire belonging the sense that God has given us of himself the writer of Ecclesiastes says he has written eternity in our hearts so we desire to belong to him and we also desire uh, intimacy and uh, friendship in community 
And what Paul is getting at is um, he's, he's describing in this section our natural tendency would be to take those things instead of learn them from God how to give and receive love we should take. Instead of submitting freely to uh, how he tells us to worship him, we should decide on our own how to worship him and what's best for us. That's the sorcery and idolatry. And then we'll push and shove to get higher up within whatever community we're part of. That's the fits of anger, jealousies, rivalries, enmity. And he's describing before that and then after that that what has happened for followers of Jesus is the Holy Spirit comes in pursuing us in love and offers us freedom and belonging and then invites us to live in the light of that belonging and that freedom. Which is not an unchallenging thing to reject that, those 15 vices, to receive and embrace those nine fruits. It's fruit of the Spirit because it's what God is doing in you over time, but I'm describing them as fruits because there are things we embrace or fail to embrace all the time. And it's so interesting because this is one of the most aggressive letters in the New Testament, and it's opposed to believing that the ceremonial acts of your life merit anything before God. And yet, clearly, Paul is saying, you're going to expend some effort rejecting those vices and living in light of the Holy Spirit's love of you. Walk, which means an entire life Uh, focused on and endeavoring to walk with God in light of him. So there is effort involved. The reason that I called the sermon the not-so-golden rule is um, for some of us, oh, there it goes. For some of us, we think the golden rule means um, specifically loving others the way we desire to be specifically loved, Right? I really love cigars. So a misunderstanding or a shallow understanding of the golden rule is you probably all love cigars too. And so that's what I'm going to give you for Christmas. And that would be misunderstanding. For some of you, it would be great. Most of you (laughs) would not appreciate that. John Barclay, who I consider the preeminent Pauline theologian, says... Love neighbor as integral to self. So you care for the people that God has put into your life, and especially the spiritual community, with full knowledge that they are actually essential to you flourishing as a follower of God. So when Paul's quoting Leviticus and Jesus, he's talking about loving one another specifically. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine posted, uh, what's your one word for this year? And if you know me, you know I hate stuff like that. Like, hate stuff like that. But I was, like, curious. I want to be curious. Yes, it was you. I want to be curious about the people that God has put into my life because I will love them better and they will love me better. I'm curious. I'm curious about my two-year-old. 
He's pretty simple in a lot of ways, but loving him is different than my 15-year-old and my 17-year-old. And I want to continue to grow in that. And you will not be super close with all of the people in this room or even very many of them, but you're going to need probably more of them than you think over the next however many years. For you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So freedom walks away from the flesh and the law, and the, the law still exists, but it is not Savior. This is covered in the first five and a half chapters of Galatians. And in the Bible, the flesh are the aspects of you that are not humble before God. Somewhere in your mind or your body or your spirit, see those, that list of um, negative tendencies in community, those 15 things. And the part of you that's like, yeah, that is kind of interesting. I am actually jealous of my neighbor's car. And in fact, I'm not sure they deserve it. I think I deserve it, which is envy, biblically. I know it's not in your dictionary, that's not what envy is, but biblically, that's what it means. And the part of you that's like, well, good for them. I hope they enjoy that car. That's the spirit. Walking by the spirit is to resist or ignore those to embrace the nine fruit of the Spirit. Verse 14 and verse 18, we still have the law, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The law is not gone. We still have moral guidance from God, but it is gone as Savior, which is something along the lines of what the opponents to Paul were, were preaching. So we walk away from the flesh, we attempt to ignore those tendencies. We walk away from the laws as being able to save us. Because that's a different kind of prison where we believe we're actually really good and that merits something before God. And then very, very, very quickly, when we're proud of our moral behavior, what do we do? We start judging other people. Or we find someone more moral than us and then we're awash in shame. Freedom walks away from those things with God. When Paul says walks, he's talking about all of life. You are right now walking in such a way. I shouldn't say such a way. You are walking in a way, and it... I hate those sentences. Can we strike that from the record? Verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. But if you were led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Paul means, Paul is, walk is a metaphor for how you do life. And he's encouraging the Galatians without saying how, how you walk that others can see will merit anything before God, but how you walk is a reflection of your trust and gratitude of the gift you received, the Holy Spirit pursuing you, and then you responding to it. And it is a way of avoiding the prisons of this life. The first three 
uh, desires of the flesh listed, sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. We desire intimacy, so we're going to take it from others instead of learn to love. The second two are sorcery and idolatry. And you're like, I don't even have a magic wand. This doesn't apply to me. But sometimes we think what I need is a walk outside instead of to commune with God and the other Christians that I know. And listen, nature's awesome. I love it. I'm not creating a false dichotomy. Exercise is good. Although sometimes nature's scary. There were a hundred crows in my yard yesterday. Sometimes we think we know better. Sometimes we think we know what's better for our hearts and minds than what the scripture says. Now, if you don't oppose those to one another, I mean, obviously preaching to people who value church attendance, those don't have to be pitted against one another, but that's what Paul's getting at, thinking that we know better than God who describes how to connect with him and the spiritual body of believers. And we need, so we need intimacy, and our natural tendency would be to take that. We need spirituality, and ultimately we're trying to control God when we go about it in ways he has not described. I was in a public place a few years ago, and there were two couples sitting next to me, and they were both telling stories about going and looking for houses to buy where they sensed the presence of evil spirits. And I was just waiting for them to say, I don't know any good local pastors, do you, who could explain this to me? Because then I would have jumped over and sat with them, and we would have had a lovely conversation about Jesus. We know there's more to this world than we can see or understand. We know we want to connect with God about that, and we want to understand. And we are not to go to our own devices for that. We are to go to his word to find out about worshiping and connecting with him, and then connecting with one another. And then the third, the way I'm dividing these 15 tendencies is in friendship. And we have these tendencies in our friend groups to elbow and to stir up trouble, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. And these things will imprison us spiritually. The false teachers were teaching something along the lines of what Jesus did was bring us back to being children of Abraham and children of the Torah. And that was creating dissension. That was creating jealousy amongst the people because some of them could return to that quicker than others. It was creating factions within the church. And so instead of reminding them of the beauty of the law, Paul is instead going to say, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Look at verse 22. Where's the verb? Is. So who's doing the work? God is doing the work. He has pursued you in love, rescued you from the prison of your 
fleshly desired, rescued you from the prison of thinking that you could be so moral that God would accept you into trust and gratitude and then obedient following of him. And what is he turning you into? Tree. Something that gives shelter and shade and nourishment. I'm just starting to learn that the leaves on the ground are actually good for lots of the bugs and critters over the winter. And it takes a while. You who are tired of your sinful tendencies, who read plenty of yourself in that list of 15 things, it takes a while for a tree to grow. It takes a while for it to bear fruit. It takes a while for it to be strong, to offer more and more shade to the others in their life. I was trying to think of a good example of getting everything you want and how imprisoning that is. This is the best I could come up with. Remember him going through the genie wishes? Y'all go. And what does he end up in? A prison he did not realize of his own making by just spilling out everything he naturally wanted. Fantastic cosmic powers. Itty bitty living space. And the freedom that Christ offers us is not only from a prison of our own desires, it's also from I had a whole point about this. I don't think it works though. <laughs> Jesus does not call us to himself and then say, and you're fine. He calls us to himself and then he says, for my glory and your good, I'm going to grow you up. He is not like the buddy Christ who just, if you would just walk in the door, that's all there is to it. Those are the two prisons that Paul is talking about. Freedom walks away from flesh and a law that and, and the thought that the law can save us, both of those things would imprison us unless we belong to Christ. And Paul is deliberately brutal in the way he says this. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, publicly shamed, mutilated, brutal, is what happened to those desires when you trusted the Holy Spirit who pursued you in love. And its brutality is matched in beauty by the desire, which is to belong to Christ Jesus. Which means now we're free to ignore Wherever we hear the temptations to immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy. 
And I believe those voices get quieter. As you grow and mature as a follower of Christ, it is easier to ignore the temptation to dissent here. It's easier to pursue love, joy, peace, patience. I believe our desire desire to ignore those things and our desire to live in in light of these things grows. And I think one of the more powerful prayers available to a Christian is, Holy Spirit, would you help me to want to keep in step with your spirit? We desire to belong. It's accomplished for us in the work of Jesus Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And in receiving that gift, we're immediately brought into this ecclesia, this gathering, and are given a role in it that others might sense their belonging. We love them as integral to self and to this body. And that is what, is, that is what makes the church an altogether different organization. I hear all the time, like, there's this side and this side, and there needs to be a third way. And I don't think that represents the church. The church is not supposed to be different than liberalism or conservatism, however you would define those politically. It's supposed to be altogether different as a loving community because we have been so loved. Jesus, we trust you that it is for freedom that you have set us free. We ask that you mature us in our worship of you and in our love and care for the neighbors you've put into our life. Amen.